This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. While our team of tax pros are well-versed in all things tax, our areas of expertise include rental real estate and equity compensation. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. At Capital Area Tax Consultants, we believe in pricing transparency and flat fees. Before engaging with us, you'll receive an upfront quote in black and white with a description of any services to be performed. This way, there are no hidden surprises. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Welcome to the Tech Money Podcast, where the worlds of technology and personal finance collide. Hosted by certified financial planner, speaker, blogger, and self-proclaimed personal finance nerd, Malcolm Etheridge. Each episode aims to make you just a little bit smarter about your money, all from the perspective of the tech professional. Without further delay, here's your host. Hey there, listeners. Eric with an A here. And today we're bringing you a special episode of the Tech Money Podcast. As you know, aside from hosting this podcast, Malcolm has a day job as a certified financial planner, helping clients analyze and take action on some of their most complex financial decisions. And as you can imagine, one of the most intricate of such conversations where financial planners get involved the most tends to be the one around purchasing or refinancing a home. Thus, Malcolm recently began working with a team at Fortis Mortgage as a strategic consultant, where he lends his expertise and perspective in helping borrowers with unique and sometimes challenging financial structures understand and navigate the mortgage landscape. In keeping with the ultimate goal of this show, to help close the information gap when it comes to personal finance, Malcolm will be inviting you, the listening audience, to sit in on conversations between himself and Fortis's Director of Business Development, Desiree Ragusi, where together they will discuss a particular mortgage topic, giving you some real-world examples and the perspective of the lender, underwriter, and loan originator in a series we're calling Office Hours with Desiree and Malcolm. So with that, Desiree, Malcolm, take it away. Hey folks, thanks for joining us. I'm Malcolm Etheridge, that's Desiree Ragusi, and this is Office Hours. On this episode, we're talking about the difference between borrowing to buy a primary residence versus a second home. You too may have noticed that recently it seems that everyone but you and me has a beach house, and you may be wondering how it's possible that the people you know can afford to purchase a beach house while they're still paying off the mortgage on the house they live in currently especially if they're your neighbor, so you have some rough idea of what they paid for it. Well, today we're gonna talk exactly about how to make your beach house dreams come true. So Desiree, before we get started, how you doing? I'm doing well, how are you, Malcolm? I am good, always gotta check in. Um, But before we get too much into the, the conversation, let's just first talk about whether it's possible to get a loan to purchase a second property or do I have to pay for it with cash? It's a great question. I think if we had to pay all cash, a lot, uh, a lot less of us would have second homes. I, I don't have a second home. I don't have a vacation home either, Malcolm. So you guys heard her admit it on category. accident. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the answer is yes. You can get a mortgage for a second home. Okay. So I'm looking for a second home. I already have mm-hmm. a primary residence. 
regardless of whether I'm at the beginning end of that mortgage or the tail end or the middle, it still counts on my, my monthly debt to income ratio. And what is it? Payment PITI. I, I know you know Correct. what that one yep. stands for, but it's principal interest taxes and insurance. Did I get that Correct. right? So all right. those payments in combination make up how much I already owe a bank for a house that I own. Mm-hmm. And now you're telling me I can go out and do the exact same thing a second time to purchase another house. And I'm going to somehow live in both of them. That's essentially, yes, that's it. Okay. So <laughs> how do underwriting requirements change when considering a second mortgage versus a primary? Got it. So really the, the process that you went through on your first mortgage, nothing about that's going to change, right? Um, you're still going to have to you know, pull a credit score. You're still going to have to fill out an application. You're still going to have to do your uh, debt to income. So we're going to have to see how many uh, liabilities you have out there. We're going to have to see how much you're making a month. And so all those ratios mm-hmm. still come into play with a second, uh, a second home. But now what you will start to see change are some of the requirements or the guidelines. So typically, um, you're going to have a have to have a little bit of a higher credit score. Maybe those lower credit score uh, mortgage that you may pre- have previously gotten on the first one is not going to fly for a second one, right? Sure. Because of course, holding two mortgages, you're now higher risk. So they're not going to want to have higher risk for the lower credit score borrower. So keep that in mind. Some lenders will also more than likely want to see more reserves in your bank accounts. Mm -hmm. They're going to want to know that you are able to cover at least a certain amount of those mortgage payments in advance if something were to happen. I mean, let's be honest. If you have a second home and you lose your job, what are you going to pay first? Yeah. Your primary, right? The secondary is going to be the secondary thought if you don't have the cash. So they're going to want to see a certain amount of reserves in there. Um, and then also higher down payment. So maybe you had a three or a 5% down payment on your first home. Now you're going to be working in more of the 10% range. Some mm-hmm. will even require 15. So you're going to have to have the cash to put down. Now it's a lot more money to buy that second home than it was the first time around. The last one is really just distance away from your primary residence, right? Oh, if yeah. you buy a house two blocks down, they're going to say, is this really a second home or is this an investment property? So mm-hmm. I think a good rule of thumb that they're probably going to look at is a minimum of six miles away from your current residence or your primary residence. And of course, anywhere like a beach or a lake or like a vacation community is obviously going to work in, in your favor. Okay. So let me go back to something really quickly before I jump yeah. forward to a couple other nuggets you just put in there that I want to also make sure that we uh, we unpack. But as far as loan to value, you were saying, you know, traditionally from buying a primary residence, I can get away with putting down three, five, 10, maybe 15%, not the 2080 rule that people are uh, a little more Familiar used to with. coming out yeah. of 2008, 2009, right? Where mm-hmm. lenders were a little more strict and then they've kind of loosened up a little bit and we've gotten lower thresholds. But it sounds like you're saying I have to be prepared to put down at least 15% is that safe to say? I would say plan for at least 10. 10. Some, yeah. some, yeah, depending on some lenders, you may have to do 15. So prepare to put down at least 10, probably mm-hmm. 15. And 
Don't be surprised if it requires even more than that based on things like credit score and anything else, as you mentioned, that, that, that balance. Yes, correct. But then separately from that, on the new mortgage that I'm purchasing, you remember you were mentioning the reserve requirement. So not only do I have to have enough cash put to the side to put a larger down payment toward this thing, I've also got to have enough reserves after I close on this mortgage and put down that 10, 15, 25% to also be able to prove that I'm solvent enough to take care of both mortgages if something was to go wrong and I can cover a few months of carrying both mortgages till I get things back to normal. Did I get it all? Yeah, you got it all. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now let's jump forward a little bit. You were mentioning, you mentioned the idea of a rental, right? You don't want it to be too close to the house you live in right now. Six miles doesn't seem like all that much, but depending on the town you live in, the beach could be six miles away from where your primary is. And you really just want to be that close, right? But in other instances, like you mentioned, you could be planning to use it as a rental property. So could you say a little bit about the difference between I'm buying a second home, planning to use it, I want to go to the beach with my family in the summertime and whenever else the, the weather's nice. But I'm also thinking in the off season, I may rent that property a few times a year, mm-hmm. uh, a few nights a year to make up some of the difference. I, I imagine I'm going to get treated a little bit differently if I'm going to have renters in there, even if only part of the year versus if it's going to be my second home and just for me and my family's personal use. That's a great question. So the, the really the the main points with a second home are are just that like we mentioned right the distance mm-hmm. you cannot use rental income to qualify okay um, they it cannot be held uh, under or a part of a timeshare it cannot be run by a property management company who has full year-round access to book bookings on it so you have to be in that property a good portion of the year that is the requirement okay. um, now what are what you end up doing with that later on um, or end up doing with that as you kind of move forward into it. But you, you do have to inhabit that space for a good portion of the time okay. year round. So, you know, it's, it can get sticky. You want to make sure that you're obviously utilizing it for that because really if it's not, you don't have any intention of using that property or you stay there one weekend a year, that's an investment property. That's not a second home. And it sounds like you're making a distinction that, an investment property is going to be treated completely differently from a second mortgage from an underwriting mm-hmm. perspective, which was already being treated completely different from a primary mortgage in the first place. And so we've got three different mortgage types for three different scenarios that we're discussing here, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And so, so without getting too deep into the investment property side, again, credit scores, higher down payment amounts, all of that's going to continue to rise when you when you start talking about an investment property, and then of course, like anything else, um, which I can't speak to. I'm not a, you know, a, a professional in this, but again, you have to remember taxes are going to start to change for you mm. with your primary residence, a secondary, and a, an investment property. All good points. Okay, so you mentioned though that we've got now the banks like to see the vacation property be near an attraction like a, a lake or a beach or, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and that got my wheels turning. So are there any types of homes that lenders prefer to lend on, you know, from an underwriting perspective for a second home, whether it's again, like you said, single family in the middle of town versus a beach versus a lake versus a ski 
condo, a, a ski resort or anything like any kind of attractions like that? Word preferred versus anything else. But what I can tell you is you're not going to get a secondary home loan on a duplex or triplex mm-hmm. right in the middle of the city. Why would anybody need a duplex as yeah. a part of a, a secondary or a vacation home? So you, you can probably just cut that out of the equation. But I think it just makes the if there were to be any questions about the property, it's going to make it easier if it's pretty transparent that it's absolutely a vacation uh, mm-hmm. property, right? It is by the ski slopes or the beach or a lake or whatever else it is that might be warrant that. It just, it makes it easier. The underwriters see it. They're going to know what that's for and it, it just makes sense. Okay. So it's not necessarily that they prefer one or, or the other. It's more so just this helps to make your case. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. As we're talking about this, I'm thinking there's probably tons of people, as I mentioned (laughs) at the the top of this, that have gone out and found themselves a vacation property, a second home, a beach house, all the all the above, whatever it is, because of the pandemic forcing us out of city centers and to more serene environments where there's a little bit more land, there's a little bit to do, and you're not up against your neighbor. Uh, the way those of us, uh, at least in the city like myself, are, uh, you know, you're, you're bumping into your neighbor every time you walk out of your front door, right? And and so can you share a couple success stories maybe where uh, you might have had a, a client who came to you and, and didn't realize that the second home would be treated any differently from their primary mortgage, you know, and you were able to guide them through the process anyway, or, or maybe even uh, somebody who came to you wanting to purchase a second home, wanted to have a conversation, thought they were going to have to pay cash for the property in order to get into it, deplete their savings to do it. And you were able to help educate them on how a mortgage on a second property would be possible and helped them save their their savings or even retirement savings from, from having to spend that down in order to make their dream happen. Yeah. So... One recently that I had was a client who wanted to talk through buying a, a second property. And um, and really the, the property for them was just to be closer to their daughter where she was uh, going to college. And they were just hmm. going there so often that it made, you know, they were spending a ton in hotels anyway. I think that really they were trying to figure out, is that even an option? How are they going to treat that? What are we going to have to do? So we talked through the same as you and I just did, right? What are the requirements? What are the guidelines? I think the maybe the sticker shock on that down payment amount was hard in the beginning, but again, it, we we kind of worked through it and and being able to adjust that purchase price, right, so that it makes the most sense for how much they were willing to let go of um, for that cash to close. But ultimately, we were able to make something work. That was a property that they were going to be in for a very good amount of time during the year. And then during the um, summer months, their daughter was going to live in it also kind of back and forth. So it was being utilized solely by her family and they were really getting some good use out of it. It was, you know, they had the cash to do it. Their, uh, you know, their debt to income was, um, was at such a level that it, it was fine to bring on that second weekend. It was just having a conversation, sitting down, planning it out. Where was it going to be? Really? What were they using it for? And at the end of the day, it worked out and it made sense. So they were, they closed on one in the summertime and they're very happy. You actually just made me think about a totally different scenario that we hadn't really talked about. We've been talking about vacation property, 
as the second, the, the reason for the second home. But as you're saying that, I'm thinking about some of my financial planning clients who have kids in college who have decided to purchase a property where their kid is in school rather than having them rent. They have the kid, they, they buy the parents buy the house, have the kid living in the house in that college town while they're in school. And maybe they have a friend or two rent a room, you know, in the property as they're going through school and they use the second mortgage for that reason too. not just this is a house that we're going to buy because we want to go do fun stuff. So interesting mm-hmm. that you could also apply it, you know, in a more constructive, I don't know if constructive is the word going to the beach is, is also constructive in my opinion, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like a, a little more like a strategic way. Uh, rather than uh, the typical ways that, you know, we, we discussed uh, at the top of this. Yeah. I wish my parents had a second home I could have <laughs> lived in during college. <laughs> yeah. You and me both. Um, but, you know, for, for who it works, you know, like you mentioned, the income is important. The, the credit scoring is important. But for those that it works for, uh, it, it, it's an awesome thing when you can pull it off. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us for another episode of Office Hours. I'm Malcolm Etheridge. She's Desiree Vagusi. And Desiree, remind people where they can find you if they have questions or want more info after this goes live. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Desiree Ragusi, or you can email me at Desiree at FortisMortgage.com. This has been the Tech Money Podcast. For more information on today's topic, to review the show notes, or to catch up on past episodes, be sure to check out malcolmetheridge.com slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like us to cover, or you want to send us feedback, the web address again is malcolmetheridge.com. You can also find Malcolm across all social media platforms at Malcolm on Money. This episode was written and created by Malcolm Etheridge with the production, the editing and sound controls powered by Proudmouth. This has been a Malcolm on Money original. Thank you for listening. The information shared in this recording and by its guests represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not represent the views or opinions of the host. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. It is always recommended that you seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your personal financial situation. This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. Our team of certified public accountants and enrolled agents is well-versed in the latest tax laws, ensuring that you capitalize on 
every opportunity for strategic tax optimization. We anticipate changes and keep you up to date on opportunities to potentially reduce your tax bill in the future. With a focus on precision and strategic planning, we are your trusted partner both during tax season and throughout the year. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Dot com.